welcome back one and all. Thank you so much for joining me again. My name is Alfred Faber. Uh, If you haven't listened to the podcast before, I'm a sound designer, sound recordist and filmmaker in Sydney, Australia. And I interview creatives involved in the film and screen media world about how they use sound in screen media. I want to start off by apologizing for how awful this intro sounds. Uh, I've just moved into a new place and my new studio has no room treatment or whatever yet. So that's why it sounds like dog shit. I am so excited to finally have a composer on the podcast. Um, As someone who is still fairly new to the industry, I'm quite naive as to how a composer sits and works within the uh, work post-production workflow of a film, but I'm so fascinated with how they contribute to the soundtrack and the tone. Uh, so I've been wanting to interview one for a while, and what better place to start than Mr. Jed Cazell. Jed is the brother of director Justin Cazell, who I interviewed a few episodes back. Uh, he has worked on all his brother's films, such as Snowtown, Assassin's Creed, Macbeth, and True History of the Kelly Gang, as well as on other people's stuff, uh, such as Alien Covenant, The Babadook, and The Nightingale. Uh, By the way, if you're enjoying the pod, please do leave me a review on the iTunes podcast page uh, or app. It makes a really big difference. Or follow me on Facebook or Twitter at Sound Perspective or Instagram at Alfie Faber Sound. But enough from me, let's hear from Jed. Tell me a bit about like how you got started in music. That's a strange kind of trajectory because I was always pretty obsessed with music. Yeah. So I, and as a kid, I just used to sit in my room, just um, had a like double cassette thing, and I used to just take music off the. Well, at that point, was you know off the radio. And, yeah. Um, and I was just obsessed about anything that I heard, and mm. you know, curious. Mm. Um, and that sort of obsession and curiosities never really left. And then when I got to about 15, I think I started learning more instruments. I had sort of learned a little bit here and there, piano and played mm. a little bit of a few other instruments when I was younger, but, um, it was nothing that I really, you know, I didn't pursue in the way that I guess others did academically. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And then I guess I, I sort of taught myself a lot of stuff and then ended up just playing in playing in bands and obviously that that was where it was heading for me. And that's mm. sort of what I was doing there for ten years prior to um starting to do film scores. Mm. So it wasn't I mean film scoring I mean composing wasn't something I actively pursued. Mm. It was yeah. more belly yeah. Right. And was Justin involved with your musical endeavors as a kid? From early, because I, I know he was in an early rendition of Mess the Mess Hall, wasn't he? Yeah, mm. he was. Um, yeah, he played bass, but he before he unfortunately didn't make the cut, got booted. Well, I think we knew. I think we knew. I think we knew something was up when we played a gig and he broke. He broke one of the strings on his bass, and then at the next rehearsal, we asked him if he was going to replace that, and he said, "I I don't use it, so there's no need." <laughs> So I guess we thought if he wasn't going to use the bass, the whole bass, then maybe um, 
we didn't need one anyway, so then it ended up becoming the two of us. <laughs> yeah, he's, he has he was always kind of um, yeah, I guess he was always around and playing. I mean that he sort of played bass because I wanted to kind of get started playing with someone else, and he was he just kind of went, I'll I'll well I'll, I'll play bass. Yeah, and so he went cash converters and bought a bass, and that was sort of how. <laughs> How it started, but yeah, I mean, it was Snowtown was the kind of really starting into into composing. That was yeah, that was the one. Mm. And how like was it him that really brought you into that, or were you really keen to do it yourself? Do you think you would have pursued it anyway without him? I may have in some. I did, it was just having the avenue. I mean, I was lucky yeah. to have that avenue there for to to sort of jump into it. Mm. Um, I would have probably pursued it in some way because I was making music that was in that vein, and I was I was by that stage I feel like I was doing that more than I was doing more than I was songwriting. Mm. It's because it felt freer. Yeah, and um, you know he was obviously making that film, and um, he'd been listening to all this other stuff I'd been doing anyway, just for myself at home. So, um, once I, I guess once he started thinking about music for his film, he was reminded, I guess, of, of what I was doing and thought maybe that would have worked. And if it did, we, I think we were of the opinion that if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't, it didn't, you know, find someone else and yeah. that's no, yeah, no problem. Cool. No. I find the idea of your collaboration interesting because I wonder whether, as uh, he said that you guys were very close growing up, and I just wonder whether, uh, like, maybe shared experiences you had or shared times in your upbringing influenced you in a way that makes it easy to work together, that you have a shared creative language or something. Do you think that's the case? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, absolutely. We were sort of inseparable as kids, and a lot of that had to do with, in the earlier days was was just generally kind of from where we grew up we had a lot of freedom to to run around and yeah. make up games and 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 just play and i think that shaped us quite dramatically the other shift as well was that later on later on in high school we ended up moving to adelaide and from from where we grew up in Gawler and that where we moved there was a video store on the corner of mm. the road yeah. and it was really good it was a really good one and we just were in there constantly, you yeah. know, and they had, they had, they had everything and had a really great art section in there. They had lots of different great sections in that video store, but um, we were in there a lot. Mm. And so we were watching lots and lots of movies together and discovering lots of things together. And so it was, yeah, I think that played a natural role in it as well. I mean, I think our, our kind of collaborate, just the way it's evolved with us has been very natural. It hasn't been anything that we've sort of, you know, put the yeah. flag down, right, you know, now we're going to do this. And yeah. it's not been like that at all. Yeah. So those shared experiences weren't just with music, they were also with film. You were into that as well as a kid? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I have lots of memories of just, you know, drawing the curtains and, watching films all day, mm. you know, mm. going down to the video store and getting 10 movies and, and, you know, all of different kind of, let's try it out. Yeah. Yeah. 
That was a big, yeah. That was a that was definitely a big one, and I'd sort of forgotten about that. But it was only recently I was I was I remembered that that, that was a something we used to do. Was it a kind of pivotal moment after you'd done Snowtown, where you were like, "This is something I should pursue. It's something I'm good at." No, I, well, not really. I, I mean, I finished that and thought, I, you know, well, that that's that. I've kind yeah. of done that. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, and that's my foray into film scoring, and and I was going to go kind of just go back and doing what I was doing, and um, yeah, and and it just sort of went from there, and then I just sort of got started. I mean, I started getting offered other things, and and you know, and that was a whole new experience as well, was working with with other people. You know, not I mean, it's very easy to work with Justin because it's just all he's asking of you is to do what you do and what he knows, you know, what, what he knew I could do. So mm. that, so it was a whole different experience than, than working with other people. And then, and suddenly you've got a whole different aesthetic there that you have yeah. to, which, which composing is so much about reading someone's tastes mm. very quickly. That's something that I found really curious when I've been watching your films the past few days and listening to the soundtracks is that, it definitely feels like you, over time, you moved a bit further away from a personal style, I guess. In Snowtown, it was very distinctive of the music you were making, like the mess hall. And say by the time of Alien Covenant, it, it really started sounding cinematic and like a movie score. Do you think, yeah. like... Do you remember the process of learning that and changing? Uh, well, I had to, I just sort of had to. Right, I, yeah. I, I had to learn it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, I, I think it was, I mean, it was more personal at the beginning, obviously, because that's all I had in front of me. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that was it. I just had whatever I had, those instruments, and that was it. And I sat in a room and I made that completely on my own. You know, there was no one else in that in there. It was just all done um, like that, whereas... Um, and I did quite a, you know, I mean, all the ones leading up to Macbeth, maybe even Slow West, I'd done on my own. So it's the Babadook and Dead Europe. And yeah, so it was more, I think Macbeth was the, the shift. Right. Was that when you started with London Symphony Orchestra? Uh, London Contemporary Orchestra, oh, yeah. yeah, sorry. Well, we did, we did Slow West and I think it was just more that what... What I wanted from mm. that score was something that I couldn't just kind of, you know, go in and play myself. I needed, you know, right. just needed something bigger. And then, uh, and then Macbeth was a whole different thing because it was like, well, how do I, how do I make this obviously cinematic? But it, well, how do how do I give this scale? Yeah, but still have some personality in it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it was kind of like, well. Yeah, we wanted to use strings, but we didn't want to use them in the usual way that they've, they've been used, mm. um, and then mix them with a whole lot of elements that I kind of out of my um, bags. So, I mean, going back around, I guess I, I sort of had to learn. But the way I jumped into it was very different. It wasn't like I it was it was sort of wasn't a formal thing. It was more about like let's get some people in a room and sort of mess around a bit, and then yeah. I take that. 
and I start rewriting with that, and then we go back in and start rewriting. So it was it was a, a de- very different process and one that we still do today, which I really enjoy doing with them. Yeah, yeah. I was curious about your composition process these days when you said you don't really have a history in like studying music composition. Do you use like uh, sh- do you write in sheet music? Do you use Sibelius or? Is that something? No, you can't, you, can't, you can't really do that anymore because you have to, I mean, on those bigger films, you have to, to deliver um, pretty decent demos that, you know, give people an idea of what, what you're going to do when you're going to record. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you kind of got to mock things up. Mm. I like that. So even if you were writing on paper, you'd still have to get, you know, still have to show something for, for what you're doing. But So I find it a lot easier just to kind of do it well, not easier, but so much to me is about sound and hearing sounds and that right. one sound one sound then sets you off on another one and another one another. And so they all sort of influence each other until you get the whole picture. Um, so you're doing music I'm production. Listening rather than just going, okay, it's this note, then into that note. It's like sometimes yeah. the way hear other sounds that you're making that you might be just sort of experimenting with and i think all it is is kind of just starting with a grain of an idea that is interesting and you want to kind of move with so you know like for example the babadook i ended up recording a lot of stuff that was outside my house which just sounds really yeah Yeah. and then using that making instruments out of those things and Mm. Those kind of things are really great because then they just make they just launch you off into other areas that um, you wouldn't have gone into, and you kind of feel like the the other thing I think is important as well is that there are so many sample libraries and things around these days, and they are interesting sounds, and they're you know sounds that other people have made, and it's it's kind of like outside of the orchestral instruments, which are are, are kind of good to have. Um, just so that you you can mock up something and get an idea of what it sounds like with strings. I think the others there's other stuff that it, it's much better to kind of make your own sounds. You know, mm. get them on the phone and go out and record something, and then start kind of messing with that. And, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's the, just more rewarding. Mm, well, the Babadook is one of my favourite films of yours, and um, I was wondering what your collaboration with Jennifer Kemp is like because you worked on uh, The Nightingale with her as well. What's she like to work with? Um, she's brilliant. She's, um, I mean, you wouldn't know it from her films, but she's one of the funniest people I've met. So, you know, the <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is just, it was just, it, it's always just fun. And I, yeah. I just, my memories of working with Jen are always about, like we, we kind of work, but there's a lot of there is a lot of joking around, and mm. she's very very clear on what she she's after. Yeah, but gives you a really wide wide berth. So it's um you know with the Babadook we were because I was a fan as well of the Giallo films too. So we immediately sort of bonded over that and started sharing different <clears throat> different influences and different ideas. So. Um, but yeah, I just remember her being really, really clear about the influences and, and where to take it, but not kind of going, if it's not exactly like that, then I'm not going to like it. Or it's more like, right. no, no, you make your own thing. Mm. But sort of, this is where my head's at. Yeah. And then we were just sort of, it was all very, it was all really kind of natural. She'd sort of come in occasionally and 
listen to stuff and go like that, don't like that. And it was very encouraging. And, um, and then, I mean, the Nightingale was different because there wasn't a lot of music in that. So, and that was an interesting process because yeah. it was started writing quite a bit for that. Yeah. And, and it just sort of diminished and diminished. And, and I think she was just in the edit. And anytime she put anything over there, whether it was mine or someone else's or anything on there, mm. she felt that um, lost its tension and just lost lost the feel that she was going for, which, you know, I'm a huge fan. I mean, I'm, I'm always sitting in mixing rooms telling, I know with Justin particularly, telling him to take music out. So you, you know, I'm definitely not sitting in there going, look at all this work I've done and it has to, <laughs> everything has to be in there and like... <laughs> Yeah, how dare you touch these pieces? Not, not at all. Like I, I can feel it a lot of the time. Sometimes when I'm in there, it's like this doesn't need it, or or it feels wrong. Or... Yeah. But well, I was, I really wanted to talk about the Nightingale because um, it is marked by its lack of music. And so, were you writing music for it from before? the edit like yeah mm. yeah before the edit and through it and i was here and jen was in australia so occasionally we we chat and she was just going through the editing process and mm. working out really what um what the film needed i mean i i'm always a huge believer in like the film gets what the film wants and mm. and in the edit particularly it it, it, it wants something specific and it's usually very different to what you thought it wanted when you were writing it or before you started filming. Yeah. It starts to make its own decisions. And I kind of love it when a director starts listening to that rather than trying to kind of push an idea that maybe is old now and yeah and work in their head but doesn't work actually when it's up. So, um, yeah, she was just listening to it and, and – I kind of wasn't, didn't, I just kept making music and I wouldn't really hear from her. And, and then, you know, and she kept apologizing and saying, um, just not quite there yet, not quite there yet. I'm still not kind of haven't worked out sort of what it is yet. And, um, and I thought that was, that was great. It's excellent. Mm. You want someone to be honest. Yeah. And we just got to a point where I think I went, I just did a, a couple of little things that are in the, that are almost sort of more in the sound design, but it was taking the, the original violin piece of the Nightingale and then just sort of messing with it a little bit and some of those, yeah. some of the sounds, and you can kind of hear it in there amongst the sound design. Yeah, cool. And do you usually uh, start working on a film or working on ideas from the script, from like once you get the script, or is it like after they've shot? I've tried that in the past and it rarely works, like off script. Right, Because it just... Yeah. You just get an image, and also too is I kind of think if you if you work on something for too long, you start to it, it starts to die out in your head a little bit. Like you yeah. just get used to it, and and so you you want to be you want to start it at a really fresh point, mm. which which I think is probably when you start getting um, footage in. Mm. Because they're just the way it looks and the environment, and I mean, the environment is always such a massive part of part of it, and the way it looks and texturally, to to give you an indication of maybe where to go with it. Um, yeah, so maybe when the footage starts coming in, and then sometimes you just kind of work without without really kind of referencing it all or referencing cuts. You just sort of start and 
Mm. Mm. You just know immediately when something works mm. once you put it on there. I mean, it's there's so much that kind of works, and you know when that when you know when something kind of works. But with this, you genuinely know when you put something on and go, "Well, that's that's another voice on there now." And it's when you when you do receive that cut, what are you kind of uh, how are you analyzing it to see what it needs? Like, what are you looking for in a cut to think about what the soundtrack needs? Well, it's, it's a lot of different things. I mean, actors play just the way some actors are and the tone that they bring to a film can send you down, a, and particularly if you've got a, a lead and, and a protagonist, then it's, that can send you down a particular path. I think, and like I said before, the environment can be a really big one too. Mm. Um, I think I'm also looking for what's not there. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes you're asked to do what is there and then then, then on the bigger films, it it gets a bit like that where it's like there's so much happening that you kind of just, you just sort of slot in and, Mm. and ride the, ride ride the roller coaster. But the, uh, yeah, other films, particularly Justin's is like just looking for what's, what's not there, what no one else has done. Um, rather than kind of doubling down on anything that's already there, it's like you know, okay, well, there's a there's a there's a whole lot of unique voices in here, and you need to kind of add your your own uniqueness to that mm. if you can too. Yeah, no, that's that's a cool way of phrasing it. And what what brought up that question for me was watching True History of the Kelly Gang, and then listening to the soundtrack and realizing that I think that soundtrack more than any other film I've seen really directly relates to the themes of the film. Cause when I'm listening to that soundtrack, I'm just thinking about this driving energy that's projecting, sorry, that's like sending the protagonist to his fate. And I feel like that's what the true history of the Kelly gang is all about. It's just about fate and, this character trying to avoid his inevitable fate. But I just yeah. thought that true history of the Kelly gang was such an incredible example of uh, a soundtrack embodying the themes of a work. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was that, that, that kind of, we talked a lot about a calling and, and that sort of primal, that sort of primal urge to head towards it yeah. as well, um, but without it being kind of like, ah, you know, mm. <laughs> all the kind of usual tropes of that. Um, yeah, and, and also, I, I mean, I, I, I felt, felt like the environment played a massive part in, the, oh, in, yeah. in the, that, that score. So, mm. um, I mean, I, I have not, I've been away, I haven't been living in Australia for around five years now, so it's, so it's, interesting to be able to reference it from a from afar mm. and i i now notice i notice a lot about i learned notice a lot about the way australia looks and sounds mm. i've noticed more of the details than i used to yeah because i guess for- part of a true history is about the european relationship to the australian landscape i think i remember justin talking about that in a q a about white Europeans relationship to this harsh landscape and yeah mm. yeah yeah and and it's well particularly I mean for us it was 
for us it was like the sound of it of the sound of that landscape and particularly mm. i mean the biggest thing for us was well for me it was the was just the birds you know oh, really? the sound of the birds yeah yeah you know, i mean i've always loved i've always loved them and and i've kind of had a theory as well that their raucousness and just the fact that we're surrounded by that in australia constantly i mean the birds over here in in, in england just twitter and they're, they're so kind of <laughs> and, um, well you've got to kind of really you've got to lean in to hear them or it's it's more like you're lying in a in a park and you know if you sort of tune in, you'll hear them. Yeah, I mean they're there, but you yeah. you got to kind of really lean in. Whereas in Australia, they're, they're there and and they want to be heard, and they're yeah. just you know they're loud and brash, and um, and I kind of feel like somehow maybe that 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 has played a real part in the just the cult the the the, the culture over there and and the general kind of character of. Mm. of the people yeah that's interesting and the music i think is the same like there's i mean just the incredible kind of music that's come out of that particularly i mean in terms of punk music has come out of that place and it's just different it sounds different from yeah from, from where else it just sounds dirtier and and louder and brasher and funnier and yeah um and i kind of feel like the birds all like that so yeah mm. that's that huge influence yeah well speaking of like rock do you how do you approach your actual side music projects uh compared to film music in the making of the music like is it a different creative process for you yeah it is because it's just more well it feels more collaborative it's so much geared towards making music with someone else you walk into a room and there's no also to this there's no one you're not heading towards one particular picture yeah you know, or one yeah. point you're not, there's no ending it's just like you just get in and it's a lot freer you get in and you just start playing mm. that's that's always what it was and that's the sort of joy of that mm. is just playing with people and you play for a few hours and something might come of it or something might not come of it but yeah that's that's kind of that was always what it was for me. And then that's the kernel of the idea that you then, then you take. Whereas this is, it's, it's more of a solitary experience at the beginning. And then, I mean, it kind of, and the other times I've, I've done that as well. I've just taken it into a room and bashed some things out with some people. And sometimes it works and sometimes it's sort of rubbish. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know what you're going to get. You've worked on a large range of films from like studio tent poles, like Assassin's Creed to more lower budget stuff. And how are working on different budget films different for a composer? How is it? Do you prefer it in either case? I don't know. I mean, I've had, I've had hard experiences on, on the the studio films, and then I've had equally as equally harder experiences on some of the smaller films too. Mm. Like where I just sort of, you know, it's a, I, I don't think it matters at all. It just depends on how the film is going in the edit. Mm. Yeah, and sometimes it. it can go well, and 
sometimes. You just know. You know when it's going well because you just feel it and, and everyone's sort of, you know, and then they'll come to a scene or something and, and they're, they're, they'll be like, oh, I we're stuck here for him. But there's other stuff where it's just like, um, yeah, it's, it, it depends how long it's taking to find to find the film. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't get found, you know, and then other times it does. And it's kind of like um, you're on that journey with everyone else. Mm. And because you're coming in the back later stages of it, you're sort of the last, mm. you're the last man. <laughs> you're responding <laughs> to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're kind of like, yeah, I mean, there's, if there's problems, it's sort of like you're the last one that could possibly solve them. Yeah, that's what I find interesting about the role of sound in film is that you're kind of the end of the food chain. You're the person who's adding on. At the, I mean, the sound people and maybe color graders, they're the ones who are finishing it up, you know what I mean? And everyone else yeah. has had their influence beforehand well, I, think, I, I think you're in the position too where you get to the end and you are either um you're, you're either like you're saying you're either adding to it adding something worthwhile to the film mm. or you're in a position of sort of solving it so you know you're in a position with a sound design of kind of going oh don't you know when you hear this a lot it's like oh don't worry it's going to be so much better once the sound's on yeah <laughs> you know <as> they- <laughs> no pressure as they're editing or, you know, this thing's going to work a lot better when you can hear all the sound or, you yeah. know, that, or when the sound's been finished on it or, yeah. or when the music's on. And, and it's like, yeah, it does, it does get better, but it's, but it's still, it's, I don't know, it's a strange one. It's still better to you, but to the general public, it's still just a film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's still what has a film in the same way they're watching every other film. Yeah, so exactly. they were they weren't there in the edit going, God, this wasn't working week <laughs> and now because the sound's on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, it's an odd thing. The sound design is a I mean I, I think that that's you know, one of my favourite things as well in, in this whole process of watching that and then kind of being a part of being able to kind of collaborate mm. as well with, with someone like that and and having those moments where you accidentally kind of cross over and meet in really amazing ways that you hadn't, you know, hadn't thought. How much are you, how much do you generally interact with the sound designers or mixers or sound editors? Like, do you chat with them much? No, it varies. Sometimes on Justin's films, I do right. quite a bit. Mm. Um, but I think that's more because we've all been working together. I mean, it's been the same team for quite a while. Yeah. On that, so we've been we're all pretty good friends, and mm. you know, I mean, um, have quite a shorthand now, which is great. Yeah. So, mm. um, but you know, most films, it's like a new person you hadn't worked with mm. before, and sometimes it's really collaborative, and other times it's just like, no, you sort of stay in your lane and do your thing, and yeah. It all works out. You just send. Do you do you ever get to sit in the mix at all with those yeah, new people? Uh, yeah. If I'm if if I'm in the city that the film's being mixed, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I try and go. I used to go to go and sit in mixes a lot more, like in terms of daily kind of thing. But I don't. I don't anymore. It's, mm. it's sort of. Um, 
I find it I find it a lot better if they do their thing and they get a full mix down and then I can go in and have a listen to where, where it's at mm. and mm. what it sounds like rather than being a part of the actual building process of the mix. Well, um, there was just one last thing I wanted to ask you about before you go is Alien Covenant because I'm s- such a massive fan of the Alien series and what I love about the Alien series is like how different each of the films was and each director kind of brought something really different to their part of the franchise. And so was there kind of, were you trying to follow a legacy or something on a film with such gravitas and such history like Alien? Um, Not really. I mean, I, well, that was sort of different because are you talking musically or just, yeah, just musically. Kind of general tone and tone, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a strange one. Like, like you're saying, it's like we've grown up, I mean, I grew up with all those films, so they're sort of part of your, they're sort of just in you, mm. you know what they are and you kind of just have that, that sense of where to take, take them. And yeah. there's a lot of clues in there that have already been given to you. And mm. so, um, and I mean, on that one, it was kind of like, I guess, cause Ridley was back doing Alien again. Mm. Um, and he had been wanting to reference some of the stuff from the original, from the first one, I guess that had already been set up. So, so that, so, so the idea of sort of referencing it and, and knowing where to take it was, was a bit clearer than maybe if you were doing, I don't know, the second or third one. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's totally different directors and probably kind of going, no, no, we're going to do something completely different here. Or mm. um, the, the Covenant seemed to be referencing the, the previous ones quite a bit. So, mm. But um, in saying that, we sort of had this opportunity where the first half of the film was sort of easing you into like, oh, I'm back in the Ridley Scott world of Alien and so we're yeah. going to reference a lot of things. And then, you know, it was a definite um, a creative choice to then once they hit the new planet it would mm. be a completely new almost a kind of new sounding score right from that yeah was that something that he really wanted to communicate is like a shift in tone and away from the expectation of an alien film yeah 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 so it was a definite um it was a definite kind of creative choice that they had and then sort of I came aboard and felt that, that that's the same thing. So in some ways you're sort of giving something up and going, okay, well, you sort of, you're going to kind of do this sort of thing and, and, and reference the earlier stuff. And, um, and in doing that, it'll make the next, the second half of the film and the, the newer music um, have more of an impact. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, yeah, which I thought was a really great idea. So, um, but yeah, going into it, I was, I kind of didn't think about. I tried not to think about that too much because if I yeah, did, it cool. just it just did your head in. It's kind mm. of like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, like I can do is all you can do is sort of play your natural game and know mm. that you've been asked to do it because of you know what you've done before. So yeah, yeah, because there was heaps of times in that film where your style was very clearly there, even though I could still hear the, the those motifs from the f- original Alien and kind of more conventional score. It definitely had yeah. your flavour to it. 
Yeah, well, that was the kind of, I guess that was the idea. I mean, that that flavour had to be in there. Um, it was just sort of how to do it mixed in with everything else. Mm, yeah. Well, um, is there anything, any other projects that you've got coming up after quarantine or, or during at the moment? Um, well, it's it's kind of strange at the moment. They were sort of on and, you know, everything shut down. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's all up in the air at the moment. So, mm. um, I think that's that's the case with everyone. Yeah, yeah. You know, like things were halfway through being shot, and then they stopped, and then so at the moment, it's more about it was more about when um, when people decide to start shooting films again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again to Jed for taking the time for an interview. And as usual, sound and music I use are by Jean-David Legulon. Have a good one, guys. Hope to see you next time.